0: Of where are throughputs and other areas choking off, so we're trying to understand that. We're looking, you know, to the extent we can, to see where are there stoppages for, you know, the event is off offline for a certain amount of time, given an oil spill, other things like that, and you know, other types of analysis and data we're collecting in that sense.
1: The other piece of data that I find fascinating, Matt and I think uh, there's a chart that uh, our timing guy makes for us. And it shows, uh, when the four runs are made, uh, throughout the day for a particular team. And it has, you know, so you can see if, if a team made, uh, one run in the morning with driver one, and then, uh, how long it was, until they made their second run, like did they make it immediately or did they pull off and come back an hour or two later or whatever? And and did they run their driver one in the morning and driver two in the afternoon? It's a very interesting chart just visually, but it also helps us uh, sort of identify what the t- different team strategies are. And then we can look at that chart for each event. We can look at it for skid as well as Autocross and Excel and uh, uh, track the track where the team was at any point in the day. And, and it's uh, a, something we use to sort of talk about when events should be open and or not, and uh, whether they need to be open longer and all those uh, considerations.
2: Yeah. And one other thing we look at that might not be obvious is um, we do take a look at what the weather recordings were for the day. And, you know, most of it is from experience and being there and knowing when it was rainy and when it was cloudy and when it was sunny, if it's ever sunny. But trying to match up what the weather's doing to um, influence students to come in or to maybe hold back and, and just having that as another piece of the puzzle.
3: So once again, please fill out your student surveys. We really do read them. All of the leadership team gets a copy of them as well. And we take making changes off of that feedback really seriously. Another thing I feel like we say every single episode, but it really does matter. We talked about the 2017 changes and the kind of data that we're capturing this year. What does that mean for 2018? So we talked a little bit about you know adjusting that schedule even further, but it sounded to me like maybe you guys were suggesting don't get used to an all-day schedule with everything being open all day long because this is really just a data capture year.
1: Yeah, that's right. Nope, you're absolutely correct. This is uh, we're, we're trying something new to see if it works better. If it works better, we'll keep it. If it doesn't, we won't. I mean, we're, we're constantly trying to learn and, and modify and innovate. So um, don't don't uh, think that we're sticking with this forever. If it doesn't work, we'll change. Just like last year, it didn't quite work, so we are adjusting.
2: Yeah, and and something that I, I like to remind people is. The students are obviously our, our customers in this event, and we we put them at the highest you know level of trying to make sure that we give them an event that's worth all of the blood, sweat, and tears they put into the engineering behind the vehicles, and and you know from being a student myself, I know what it means to be on the team and to to live, breathe, die by Formula SAE. Still kind of doing that now as a volunteer, but um, the there are other groups of people that are out there too. We do have um, the volunteers that work that. Uh, competition are indeed just that. They are volunteers. They are not paid people that are out there. So we need to be cognizant of what we're asking people to come in and do. And, And being that MIS is great, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's also a problem that it's in the middle of nowhere. A lot of these people are coming from their homes an hour and a half away to come and work the competition and will turn around, get back in their car and drive an hour and a half to go back. So we need to be cognizant of their time and who we really need working the competition. So if we find that like an acceleration, what we're expecting, that, that we have a, maybe even a couple hours of dead zone, that's not really fair to the people working, that they're sitting around with nothing to do, especially if it's a little chilly out. It's really exciting to them to see the cars run, not to sit there and just wait. So we want to make sure that we're giving the best possible competition for the students, but you know, keeping in mind that we need our volunteers to make this run, and we want to make sure that it's a good experience for them as well.
1: And uh, we also keep in mind, it's not just a, uh, a boredom for the uh, worker's situation because that boredom can turn into a safety issue. So we're really thinking about the safety of the workers because if they get bored and, and sort of stop paying attention and a car goes uh, off course towards them and they're not paying attention and they get hit, that's not good for anybody. So uh, that's something else we have in our heads when we're talking about this.
0: Yeah, and we're also even thinking, you know, you know, what do we want to learn in 2017 and how do we use that and deploy it in eighteen? So I know, you know a couple of days ago I started an email chain around What other data can we collect? For instance, how long are the lines at different points in the day to really understand as well, not just how many teams are running, but how long are people waiting to get on the, on the courses, uh, things like that. So we're definitely trying to use 2017 to continue to think about refining our data collection so that from year to year, if we need to make changes, we have a better picture of that in our, in our arsenal.
4: Yeah, no, I think, um, so Matt and I actually had a conversation on that too, um, so as most of the teams are aware, this year we're going to be um, rolling out the mobile scoring. So as part of that is the RFID tags that each team will be issued. Um, and so, you know, Matt and Laura and Corey and, and our website developer of the scoring module, you know, we'll be meeting at Michigan this year and talking about how we can utilize his system to capture some of that further you know, data points that we are looking at so that we don't run into, you know, the the long hours that are unnecessarily, you know, long for our volunteers when, as Laura said, with 100 plus cars on site, you know, we don't need in reality to stay open, you know, seven hours for acceleration. So that's just some of the stuff that we're going to continue looking forward to do.
0: Yeah. And Kelly... On that point, one of the things that you know we do a lot of is looking at the capacity and the throughput of the events. So we're running off of all that timing data we can see in any 15-minute, 60-minute block of time, however we want to look at it, at any increment, how many cars are running in bursts on average over time. And so we're trying to really line up to make sure that the event is open enough time that we have a really good amount of buffer, but not such that the capacity for the day is at, say... 25% or our throughput is at 25% of the max capacity that we're seeing. So what's nice is as we have more and more years of data, we're able to see, okay, in any given 60 minute stretch, we think we can run 70 runs of a car tells us over the course of a day, how much time we need to really give ourselves a nice buffer. And, you know, for us, that's one of those core things that we look at to say, oh, wow, we totally over or underestimated the event. Uh, you know, For an instance on that on Skidpad, which Laura mentioned, or I know Kelly also mentioned, is I think we had 30 more cars show up last year, and we still made 70 more runs, yet there was a huge line all through the afternoon. So it was one of those where we totally underestimated the the demand for Skidpad, given having the afternoon available, given the weather, given people's ability to get through tech early. So now that we know that that's our high watermark for runs, we know what really type of capacity we need in the event across the day
2: to accommodate
0: that.
3: Okay. So what can we do about teams waiting till the end of the day to run their runs? Are there things that you guys are thinking about?
2: So we have been discussing some different ideas to how to incentivize people to consider running early. We'd like everyone to, you know, take a look and say, maybe I should get driver one out there in the morning, just so I make sure I get a time in case we do end up in a situation where everyone wants to run the last hour of the event. And uh, at five o'clock, all three events are shutting down hard stop so there will not be any extensions. If they're open all day, we expect them to be utilized all day. And so one of the things that we are uh, thinking about doing, and I think we're going to be going down this path, is offering the ability for anyone who runs uh, an event in the morning will get a ticket that is associated with that event, and it'll give you an opportunity to come into a priority lane for driver two. So driver one will always have priority in every event, but if, you, if your driver one runs skid pad in the morning and you have a ticket, you can come in and get in the driver two with ticket lane, and that'll be the next priority from driver one. Those who have not done any runs in the morning for their driver two will be in the third priority lane, and that one, if we have a backup, will likely be the one where people are left at the end.
1: And that applies to not just Skid. I think we're going to apply that also to Excel and uh, Autocross as well.
2: Yes. Now, each, each event will be its own. So if you ran driver one and skid pad, that means that your driver two ticket is only good for skid pad. Same for Excel, Autocross. They will be defining features that let you know which one is which.
3: It'll be interesting to see how that is both used as well as the feedback too. So if this system gets put into place, this is something students should be... Um, making sure they're keeping in mind, did they like the system? Did they get benefit from it? Um, so yeah, that's really awesome to hear that you guys are thinking out of the box. We have this problem in Baja too. I think it'll probably be a problem forever and ever. Te- some teams are just always going to wait, and um, but hopefully this will minimize that and uh, help us really refine that schedule that we're looking to um, settle in on eventually.
0: And and so Amanda, towards that part, actually, you know, we've talked about. A million different ways we could try to think about it, but the one that we've at least tried to stay away from is scheduling things the way that we do in Endurance. We're giving teams slots when they run because we're really trying to give as much freedom as possible within the full set of Friday's opportunities. So we we hesitate to do something like that because we do want teams to be able to adapt and react Based on how their how their team is doing
1: and how their day is going, right? And and as an engineering competition, engineering your day is part of that. So time management and schedule, you know, trying to figure out on your own where you want to, where you need to be and when to maximize the points that you're accumulating. Uh, we feel that that's a major part of the competition. So while we want to allow as much freedom to let the teams do that as possible, we still have constraints on. Um, trying to get everybody through all the events. And so we got to make an accommodation t- uh, to balance the two objectives.
3: Yeah. And of course, all of this starts by coming to competition ready to compete, right? Not coming and finishing up your car, coming, getting in the tech line as as early as you can, being prepared to get through tech as quickly as you can, and being prepared to start Dynamic Day running dynamic events and not running from behind, which last year teams rose to that occasion. It's a good problem to have when your your bottlenecks are coming from too many teams passing or more teams than expected, I guess, passing tech inspection. So that's awesome to hear. Um, as former competitors and now as the leadership team behind the dynamic events, I'm going to call out each of you for one pro tip for teams regarding the dynamic events specifically. So Kaylee, do you have one?
4: So my pro tip would be for um, all the drivers that are out there to make sure you are reviewing the drivers meeting slides that are online. They got posted probably two, three weeks ago now. It's been promoted as well to you via social media, newsletters, et cetera.
3: I'll make sure I get that out again too.
4: Yeah, we'll definitely be making sure we get that out there one more time to hit all your inboxes. But uh, it's very important that you review these in advance because the content, um, you know, will be covered by Laura, Matt, and Corey, and some of the other event captains. But the earlier that you review this stuff, the better. The better you're equipped, you'll come to the meeting because you might have questions, especially if you're an international team not familiar with um, or some first of the dynamics team. or a first year team. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and just to tack onto that, Kelly, uh, we will not be covering every slide. So we really encourage the teams to get, go through the presentation ahead of time, bring their questions. The goal for the drivers' meeting for this year is to update them with any changes due to weather or site restrictions, things that we find out when we get there um, and then allow them the opportunity for questions. So they really do need to read that presentation ahead of time and come you know, prepared to ask if anything is unclear. Otherwise, we're going to assume that they read it, they know it, they understand it, and they're ready to follow the directions on
4: it. And that's actually the second slide of the PowerPoint. <laughs> it says that. So hopefully they do read it and they understand that.
3: They're going to. I feel confident in
4: this. Yeah. Well, I would say that um, one of the
2: most important things and we kind of alluded to this as we've been answering questions is the teams really need to take a minute to develop their strategy for the dynamic events. Uh, We are giving them a great opportunity by having all three events open all day. And it's an opportunity that we hope that they take a minute, look and see what each events points values are. Consider any time constraints that might happen uh, schedule weather all of those things and to you know go forward saying okay this is how we want to approach the day uh, there are people that can get away with just winging things but in the case of um, potentially 120 teams that might all get through tech and you might be you know competing against for time you want to make sure you think things through and you know what you want to do and what you want to prioritize
3: it sounds like it makes sense to have an ideal schedule, uh, you know, of what you're going to do and then adjust as you need to.
2: Absolutely. And I hope I don't steal Matt or Corey's, but the one thing I do want to mention too is um, when in doubt, be polite. We've had all different run-ins with different teams and we are more apt to work better with the teams that approach us in a polite, respectful manner. We try to be respectful to the teams and we would hope for them to be respectful back, but it's, it's high stress environment for all of us. And every
4: opportunity we can be, you know, nice to each other is a good one. (laughs) I think goes along with that is don't come just to complain, right? Come with a proactive solution even.
3: Yeah. I think all of us that students come in contact with are extremely aware and appreciative of the amount of time these students have put into this competition and their design and getting there and running the day. You know, we get it. We really, really do. Mm -hmm. Even though it feels like we don't, because for whatever reason, your circumstances have not turned out the way you were hoping for. Every one of these people that you come in contact with the entire day, get it. And uh, like Laura said, I am personally very protective of my volunteers. So if I, see a team uh, getting rude or loud with a volunteer, I do not react kindly to that either. So um, I would imagine you guys are the same way with your workers and your team around you, because it's not just Laura, Matt and Corey out there, right? It's a whole team. And then if Kaylee sees you, you guys are in a lot of trouble. Just joking. She's probably nicer than me. (laughs) I don't know. All right, Matt, you're up.
0: Yeah, well, I think some of my pro tips have been covered along the way, but I think the other one that I would almost add on there, you know, beyond really having a plan is we have given as much time as we can to let teams get out there for course walks, both for endurance and autocross. And I would say use that to your advantage and really come out, get to know not just the course, but what's the area. How long does it take you to get out there? What does it look like so that when you show up in the dynamic area, you really know how, how you can work in the dynamic area as well, right? Of how do I get to Skidpad most effectively from autocross, et cetera? So that way, your team has a really lay of the land, especially as the layouts keep changing from year to year, as well as the way we run things. So really having a good idea of what you're dealing with in a spatial setup I think will help you as well.
1: I think I covered it earlier um, <laughs> pretty early in, in the broadcast, which was uh, get out there early and um, get get the points that you can get. Um, make sure you have points in the book before you take the risk of waiting in a line uh, later in the day and, and risk not getting any points at all. Um, even if it's not as fast of a run, uh, do a run early in the day. At least you have points. And, uh, and then you can try for more points later with your second driver or even the second run of your first driver. Uh, but it's critical that at least one run get put in with points and you don't want to be stuck in the line at five o'clock when we shut down, because since we're going all day on all events, uh, we're not going to have any leeway on that shutdown time. We we need to get the volunteers uh, we need to get courses cleaned up. We need to get volunteers home. And and based on our data analytics, uh, we know that all day long is more than enough time for all the events to cover all 120 teams. So uh, if you can't get it done before five, you're just not going to get it done.
0: I'll add one other tip actually, as I thought about that. And I remember this from talking to teams last year. They were, they were saying, hey, our driver one is one of the drivers, but our really fast driver is always driver two, because that's the way we do it. And I'd say sometimes think about what's the right way to set that up, given the event and the time of day and all of that. And don't don't make sure that your first driver gets out and your fastest driver goes second after the first driver comes back with a report on the course. If you're cutting it close, switch it up. But the driver, you definitely want to get on the course out there first. There's no, you know, there's no rule that says the faster driver has to go first or second. It's totally your decision on who you're running when. So do think about that and, you know, make the most of the opportunities you're getting, you know, in terms of in case your car has a problem, in case the course has a problem, in case you run out of time, you know, don't, don't necessarily try to go one way or the other. Think about it within your strategy.
2: Yeah. And, Actually, I mean, that chimes right into having a strategy because, you know, in addition to that, we had teams that sat and waited forever in line for skid pad, which is worth significantly less points than autocross. So to me, it was, why, why are you waiting in line for skid pad? Come over and get your autocross score in, you know, that's more points. So it's it's definitely looking at it from the big picture standpoint. And um, one thing also that it's not written anywhere, but I think people have this conception, you do not have to run the... Th- the events on Friday in any order. You can start with Autocross and end with Excel if you wanted to. The only reason we had an order in the past was because of the way we set them up on the pavement. So this year, you know, whatever you want to do, the freedom is is yours to choose your destiny. So think about points and all
4: that as you try to figure out your plan. But something to point out with that though, Laura, is that acceleration is actually the last event to open because we're during a staggering start. So um, I think it's, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think it's skid pad followed by autocross 9, 930, and then acceleration at 10, right? So that's something for those teams out there to think about when you're strategizing.
3: And it also makes a difference now that we've moved acceleration on the other side mm-hmm. of the track. So this is actually a whole new game, honestly, for teams this year. There's a whole lot to take into consideration. And as you all were talking, I couldn't help but think, you know, this is what industry is like, where you go into a project and things aren't going to be perfect. And you have to think about all these different pieces of data coming at you and, and all these different uh, constraints and how you're going to tackle that problem and move forward. I have one more question that I didn't tell you guys about. It should be easy, though. So it's a pop quiz. Uh, we have already talked about how much time you guys all put into this, hundreds and hundreds of hours every year lots of brain power (laughs) being Uh dedicated to Formula SAE, but what is the one moment when you're on track that makes you say, this is why I keep doing this? Laura.
2: Oh, geez. I get to go first. (laughs)
3: Ladies first, Laura. Ladies first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, here we go. Um, you know, for me, I I love all of our teams. And it's funny, I used to only love one team, right? The one I was on. And now that I'm removed and I don't even know, you know, I know the team, but I don't know who's on it or any of those people. When I see a team cross the finish line of endurance, and, and I don't care if they're a top 10 team or if they're brand new to the competition that year. And I see how elated the faces are on the team and the cheering. In fact, if the, the louder you cheer, the better get excited. That keeps me going every year to see, you know, hey, all of that time and effort well spent. And for the teams that don't cross that finish line, you know, still, you know, you're walking away with one hell of an experience and and being a part of that and knowing that I'm helping to shape the future engineers that are going to take my company and the other automotive OEs to the next level, that is worth it to me. Standing out in the hail three times, Last year, with frozen fingers and toes, um, to know that that's happening. So, in fact, if the teams could give me even bigger cheers this year when they come across the line, that would be great for everyone involved. I want the volunteers all the way at the end of the track to hear them when they cross that finish line.
3: Matt,
0: yeah, I think that to me is one of those really fun occasions when you see teams finish. Personally, I also really enjoy when we see the beginning of autocross or endurance just just that first car go out and have a clean line, run. And you go, wow, we've gotten over that finish line of teams have now all gotten through tech. Everyone's running and the day is upon us and we just have an exciting day ahead of us. And that to me is one of those other really fun, exciting points that reminds me how much I enjoy being out there.
1: Uh, I think I, I enjoy most uh, seeing the teams that struggle, honestly, because uh, and, and, and seeing them persevere. Uh, I see them wa- roll in with their trailers and their working their butts off uh, in the paddock and welding stuff and cutting stuff. And, and then I see, I managed to see them like, you know, not a complete suspension or not a complete chassis or something like that. And, and then I see them show up at endurance and finish. That to me is the best part of Formula SAE. It shows perseverance and ingenuity and good engineering. um, Even if it doesn't show good preparedness it shows the others. And in industry, sometimes that's more important than being well-prepared is working through the issues. And uh, no matter how you finish in Formula SAE, employers look at hiring Formula SAE students because they know what it takes and and they know uh, those students are hard workers and out-of-the-box thinkers. So um, that's the part I enjoy about the the competition.
3: Yeah. And I have knowledge that there are going to be hundreds of positions that lots of our sponsors are trying to fill on site this year. So I think what Corey said is absolutely true. Print your resumes, come prepared. And, you know, this opportunity is, is yours to make of it what you want. And that's really awesome. So I want to thank the three of you, as well as Kaylee for joining us today. Come with a strategy, be prepared, and get out there and do what you do. So from us at SAE and the Dynamics team, Keep going, guys. You're almost there, and we'll
1: see you in Michigan. Thanks for listening to Formula SAE Fast cats As always, we want to hear from you, so email us at formulaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode can be found at www.fsaeonline.com. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.